This Van Like a Ghost, this episode there but not here, Peg gets an expansive sound. And what we did here um, is we're doubling down on our Dallas recording and our modular synthesis. We've just been reading about how the Moog world is very excited that the Subharmonicon has been released. Those who are into the Moog um, mystery of all their cool modular synths knows that, you know, the Mother 32 was the first um, semi-modular synth to come out and became a new focus for Moog. A lot of um, Moog fan boys and girls got into that synth and then were very impressed uh, at the Moog Fest when the DFAM showed up, the drum from another mother, and then came uh, the Subharmonicon. There also came um, a Voicoder that they haven't released, and the brother from another mother, which they have not released. But like two years ago, the Subharmonicon was a very interesting um, synth. It had a lot of capabilities uh, in terms of playing with time. In, in some ways, the, the way the Zero Coast from McNoise can play with time, um, the Moog um, um, Subharmonicon is a, is a mathematical synth. You know, it's kind of like our math module. And that's where we're going to kind of talk about the fact that the, the math module um, for make noise when used with a DFAM can do similar kind of time altering of, of sequences. And, you know, the cool thing to kind of to bring this, bring up the, the history of this according to um, musictech.net, um, the Subarmonicon is, is going back to the ideas of Joseph Slinger and Paul Hindsmith uh, and Frederick Trotwine and Leon Thurman. They created these new kind of electronic instruments back in the day. The Trotonium, the Trotonium was a tube-based instrument capable of producing saw waves through a low-pass filter. And it was fine, refined by a, a man named Oscar Sala, who um, added undertones. And it had the ba- ability to do varying of the, a varying division of the fundamental pitch that allowed various low notes to exist with the fundamental, like a sub-oscillator. And so these concepts were also done by Leon Theremin. We had a Rhythmicon, had 16 polyrhythmic generators simultaneously. And, and now you've got a device with the subharmonicon capable of producing tonal pitches triggered by onboard sequencers whose content can be evolved manually. And this is a very experimental synth. It's not for somebody that wants to be uh, kind of in the doll world of perfect uh, BPM and, 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 and always in the same uh, key. This is for experimental musicians that want to do dollless recording is more of, of a, a controlled voltage type of recording, kind of where we live. And so that where that goes back to, which I noted is the math module from Make Noise has the ability to do logarithmic and exponential processing of controlled voltage signals. It basically operates like two LFOs. They can be super slow, can be like minutes long. And so I but trial and error, I've been able to um, figure out how to take a DFAM that is only an eight-step analog percussive send and cause some of the steps to slow down or speed up. And, and basically the song that represents this capability is um, a song I called There But Not Here. So if, if you use the math module and you turn on the ability to self-oscillate, uh, within the math module, it can become like an oscillator. It can do all kinds of interesting exponential, again, and logarithmic processing of signals in terms of time. And what you get is like uh, something could go really slow and then speed up and then go back slow and then seem kind of random. And so I use that nature to kind of make a dirge very slow, not typically 160 BPM, you know, talking about 20, 40 BPM, which I think if you're doing progressive synthesis, you're doing experimental music, sometimes you don't run at the fast BPM levels. You run kind of slower. 
and you allow yourself the pitch changes and the key changes. And so it's a very experimental song. And we just uh, released it on SoundCloud to go, go through distribution. Uh, and we probably might put it with a bunch of these new songs. We just finished, we're just finishing up a new song we just wrote. Um, they use the same concept again. Uh, and we're going to do a separate episode on that song. But uh, There But Not Here uh, is, is, is really uh, a good example of this sound, song. And uh, we're going to play a little bit of it for you right now. Just being electric and really experimental, very progressive in our nature of liking bands like uh, Pink Floyd and The Velvet Underground, and even Big Star Third is a favorite in Joy Division, um, New Order. So we like the experiment. We think that, that, that having a constraint and not having constraints is like a couple of things. If you have a, a recorder like the Zoom R24, uh, allows us to pretty much take our analog sense and do whatever we can do and play with them in real time and capture real time experimentation. Within a DAW, you can do that, but it's not as musical, in my opinion, when you're on one of these analog sense and all the control surfaces act as if they're aspects of an instrument. Like on your instrument, on a guitar, you can pitch bend a, a note on the strings, you can play with your dials. On a piano, you can play with the foot pedals. You can play with the lid. You can do a lot of things on an organ with all the all the um, the sliders on an organ. And probably not the right word for those sliders. I know there's another name for them, but and then again to the you know mini moog and what Keith Emerson and um, you know it's it, it, it's the ability you know to be able to have an organic type of instrument. Our instrument has a lot of inputs in order to affect the outputs and do it in real time and not be restricted, in my opinion, by unlimited choices. I think unlimited choices become restricting because then there are things you're not going to try. There are things there, if they're not easy to get to, you're not going to do it. But on a Moog, like a grandmother, everything's like right in front of you. Everything's very clear where things are going. And then you can change it up by playing with the, the controlled voltage patch bay. And in real time, change things in real time kick in fm synthesis through a modulator wheel or kick in sample and hold because you've got it connected to an attenuator or kick in uh a, a, you know a ladder filter or a high pass filter or all kinds of aspects of resonance and not doing resonance or overpowering with a like a cp3 mixer and getting a very heavy sound we're using a spring reverb and a drone to create you know, incredible solo capabilities. And so all these things to me allow me to do the expansive sound and I don't particularly like the DAW because it puts you more as a computer programmer and I'm kind of in the IT as my primary job. And when I get to my instruments, I want to play an instrument, not a PC or a Mac. And so I think a lot of musicians are starting to realize, I've talked to many musicians in my interview capacity and are starting to realize that the MIDI keyboards you know, and the soft sense don't give them all the interface controls that they need. Now you can get additional controls if you use, you know, um, non-traditional MIDI controllers. If you start to use MIDI controllers that have the ability to bring in, you know, you know, MPE that have the ability to bring in 
all kinds of expressive capabilities uh, on your sense, like polyphonic aftertouch or other expressive capabilities that allow you to to really control your instrument, kind of like uh, if you're dealing with the famous Yamaha, you know, Dream Machine and um, the CS um, series of synthesizers, those synthesizers, CS80s, because they had the polyphonic aftertouch and, you know, even the Dream Machine had all these expressive capabilities with the foot pedals and the, the keyboard that was actually extremely expressive because it had um, a, a unique kind of divide down technology and expressive technology, more like an organ, more like a Hammond B3 that had the ability to like move the keys sideways, move them up and down um, to get different sounds out of the instrument. And I think a lot of, you know, electronic experimental uh, musicians, we we can use the DAW to be very experimental. You can do it like it's a tape loop machine, like you're cutting tape and passing things around. That's kind of George Martin-like. But in terms of controlling the instrument, I find that a Moog grandmother or, you know, any kind of synth that has that kind of analog interface. And, you know, if you look at a synth, I think it's a good example of a modern synth that, you know, that you really can't use a DAW to do it would be a hardware synth like the UDO Super 6. With its binaural capabilities, its analog and digital hybrid uh, FGPA capabilities, it's it's kind of like the best of all worlds, it's like having a Jupiter 6 or Jupiter 8 with the ability to you know do FGPA synthesis, which is almost like what behavioral modeling synthesis is with the Zencore engine and the um, behavioral modeling from the System 8 and and then what you see with Zencore, the ability to model uh, synthesizers, the model instruments, uh, that's very cool. And because if you have an FGPA machine with firmware updates, you could change the nature of the machine. And um, um, hopefully, we'll see UDO create different capabilities with that synth, the way the way Roland has with the System Eight with the plugouts, and with the Zencore with the equivalent kind of capabilities they've created in the Zencore system. So we've seen on on the Zencore machines them start to release the Supernatural series of sounds. Uh, they've released a polyphonic SH-101 on a Jupiter-X, uh, which we've never had before. And then they've re released some of the sound modules, the A8X, uh, you know, 3P. Uh, if, I, if I got that wrong, you know what I mean. Um, but the ability to have uh, a big palette and I, you know, whether a machine allows you to be digitally controlled, like my OPZ from Teenage Engineering is a digital synth, it's a hardware synth. And there's still, and it's got to be very unique synth sequencer. It allows you to manipulate things in real time through the step components, which are, you know, I've argued that's similar to what a mode can do because very unique capabilities with those step components that allow you to manipulate the sound in real time. We've seen, um, Cuckoo to Cuckoo do performances with that machine, and it's all kind of hands-on. It's a hardware synth. So, you know, that is my my primary aim as a musician is to dive into this type of sound. And it's been my, my goal as a musician to do everything I can within the dollless recording space to create what I call expansive sound, which is a combination of multiple genres. I am a fan of funk, Bernie Worrell, you know, Sly and Family Stone, Prince, Earth, Wind and Fire, that type of funk, you know, Herbie Hancock jazz, Sun Ra type of jazz, experimental electronic jazz. Sun Ra was one of the first bands to actually use Moogs. Herbie Hancock was very much into Moogs and ARP 2600s and other ARP systems. And to be able to take uh, electronic instruments and bring them into a, a discipline like jazz gave, I think, the the Moogs and the Arps and in, in the in the prophet sense a lot of legitimacy with with you know advanced musicians. Going back to um, you know Emerson, like in Palmer, like in the Emerson Moog, and yes, um, you know Rick Wakeman. I'm a big fan, and then I think Stevie Wonder with the Dream Machine on um, sounds in the, sounds, songs in the key of life, you know, a song like Saturn, where you have like one of the first really big, good examples of polyphonic synthesis on a polyphonic synth. 
you know, the, that synth allowed him to create a sound that was symphonic, but not yet classical. And I think that is what all synthesists are always aiming for is to, you know, maybe take your abilities as a classical pianist or a progressive as a musician or a jazz musician or even a rock musician and, and have that hard edge. We get into somebody like Trent Reznor and his use of the mini mode to show that you could be very aggressive with a synth and it doesn't just have to be an accompanying, it can be a lead. And I think we see that um, with, with Trent, we see that with, um, you know, other musicians. And, you know, I try to do that myself with the, the, the ghost is to make the synth be as punk aesthetic as possible. I think you get to a band like Joy Division, which was a post-punk band and they use synths in a very interesting way. It was kind of low in the mix, but it was still a punk aesthetic the way they used it. Very industrial, very, you know, taking craft work, kind of progressive synthesis and doing it in a, in a punk, new romantic kind of goth um, thing that became the new wave. You know, New Order came out of Joy Division and they became less of a guitar band, you know, more of a synth-oriented band. Kind of led the way for bands like Depeche Mode uh, to, to drive there. And then we get the cure, like a full realization, and Duran Duran, full realization of new wave, and everything you can do with the synth, maybe not as dark. Maybe Depeche Mode stayed a little dark. Um, Duran Duran was more science fiction, more, you know, teen oriented. But, it, you know, it appealed to guys like me. I'm, I was a young teenager and I, I just didn't feel Duran Duran appealed to the female fans. I, I liked their science fiction aspects. I liked the way the band had that kind of androgynous look um, that was the new wave um, era. And we'd say that, you know, bands like Depeche Mode and uh, Echo and the Bunnymen were a little bit darker. Um, and, then, you know, if you're, it depends on your taste. I tend to go toward the Joy Division dark side, you know, Depeche Mode kind of darker side of synthesis um, and, and music. And that's why we get into songs um, that we've talked about before. So we're going to play another song we wrote called Reckless Indiscretions in F and K. of the envelopes within the grandmother, the spring reverb, and, and just the, the organic nature of the, the classic you know, grandmother synth, which is the mini moog for the, the new age, for the 21st century. The ability of, of, of a moog such as the grandmother is greatly increased by its modular nature, its patch bay, it's real spring reverb, it's FM synthesis capabilities. It is just an incredible synth. And for the money, it's one of the best, um, I think, analog synths you can get. You can do ARP 2600-like modulation. It's very easy as a, as a beginning synthesis, but as a more advanced synthesis um, person, um, if you connect it, like I have it, be able to connect to a Mother 32, and to the drummer from another mother, and now with the subharmonicon, it gives you, I think, a, a big platform similar in capability to like what you have with a Bukla or what you would have with um, a Model 55 or you know a Model 33. It gives you a lot of capabilities, and we're pretty much have you know those three cents: the grandmother, the Mother 32 and the DFAM, and now the subharmonicon we're kind of lusting after, trying to figure out what kind of solution we would put it into. Uh, we think that um, the Doffer um, modular rack system might be the system that we would put on uh, the DFAM and uh, the 
the um, the drummer from another mother and our uh, and Subharmonicon because then we could also it's big enough to be able to bring in those modules plus our maths module plus our um, our morphogy module and be able to get additional modules where we'd probably want to get a couple other make noise modules the new stereo modules and um, maybe some granular synthesis modules and maybe some drum um, system modules that we've been looking at that we're kind of lusting off of we could use uh, for control and maybe some quantization models. So, you know, once, you, once you have the, um, the subharmonicon, though, you get some ability to do quantization, um, which is pretty cool. And then if you have a Mother 32, you've got standard mini. Uh, if you've got the subharmonicon, you've got the kind of, you know, other standard mini with the jack, quarter-inch jack. So, um, way or more, more of the, you know, not the quarter-inch jack, maybe the eighth-of-inch jack, the CV standard jack. So we've been getting very technical in this episode again. It's kind of what we do. But we think we're going to include um, the song we wanted to talk about uh, that we've um, been kind of referring to. Maybe we would bring it into another episode. But we, we just wrote an interesting song. It's like a 13, 14-minute song that, um, you know, typically the ghost, that's kind of what we like to do. And that's not probably the most marketable thing to do as a musician, but we kind of do what we feel. Again, we're inspired by bands like Sun Ra and uh, the old progressive bands. So we have a song called Deuce Come On Dude. Now, Deuce Come On Dude is using, again, the ability of the mass module to interface with the drummer from another mother. We're using our grandmother to great effect. And uh, we're going to play a little bit of this song because we, this is a song that we really like and we just came up with it. So let me stop the last song and start this. Yeah, we got to stop. We're still playing Reckless Indiscretions of the F and K. Hold a second. So let's get into Deuce Come On Dude. You hear that spring reverb from the grandma. electric and we've got the grandmother again using uh, the drone with the spring reverb and the, the actual modulation um, pitch bender wheel. What I found that I can get very kind of atmospheric Pink Floydish guitar bending when you use the drone in the spring reverb and the resonance kind of churned all the way up and I've been uh, really doubling down on that but again again um, <clears throat> the, um, the DFAM is being manipulated by the mass module, so we're able to change the speed and the nature of the, the rhythm sections. And so you beginning, it starts off with kind of like a, um, a beat that's kind of like very slow and uh, dirge-like and uh, very experimental. You don't, it's not a typical like 120 BPM beat. And then we're able to click on our um, mass module and then we get a more uh, steady beat. Uh, that's typical of a DFAM is the mass module allows us to, to change it. Um, and, and then the other aspect is there actually is an Arturia Mini Group 2S that we run an LFO sequence. And like it's not even a, it's not even, it's not a sequencer sequence. It's an LFO that's uh, manipulating the signal and doing an interesting uh, percussive synthesis, which we find the Mini Group 2S can do DFAM type of drum. Uh, or percussive synthesis is a very good percussive synthesizer. We, and the 2S is the keyboardless version that has an interesting sequencer that we've been able to use. We haven't even fully hit every capability of this instrument because it has like three lines of sequencing. You can sequence the pitch. I think I made four lines in um, the pitch and 
you can you can um, effects you can that which we haven't really dived into as much. We've mostly been doing the gate uh, and the pitch, but not every other aspect of it. So again, and I say again a lot, but again, <laughs> um, if you want to support the ghost, please hit the the button that where you can hit the PayPal me link. You can hit us or subscribe uh, supporter link uh, where you can support us on a monthly basis at 99 cents a month at initial level. And then you could stop after a month or two. That's, you know, we'd hope that if you like what we're doing, you could help us out in this coronavirus time uh, with all the bands we interview, we don't get paid uh, directly. Uh, we do get paid by um, Spotify and anchor for the number of people that listen. So if you can please you know, if you can't afford to give us a sponsorship, send it to your friends and get them to listen to the episode. We get paid that way. But if you can uh, spare some money on PayPal me, which is a direct way to do it. It's secure. You notice a lot of artists, uh, it's, uh, they have the same PayPal me link that's on our Spotify. And it's the same one that's on our SoundCloud. So you can hit that button on our anchor as well, or that link on this episode and you can help us out. So thank you very much for listening. This is Fam Liquid Ghost signing off, and we'll talk to you later.
Yeah. <laughs>